Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online service. Our theme for this year is Plus One, which encourages us to invite someone to join us in worship and fellowship. Our mission statement is simple. It's loving God, loving people, and loving life. We hope that this message will serve as a source of inspiration and encouragement for you. Each episode, we will explore different aspects of our faith, share stories of hope and healing, and discuss ways we can make a positive impact in our community and the world. So whether you're a longtime member of our church or just tuning in for the first time, we welcome you to join us on this journey. Let's make 2023 a year of growth, both for ourselves and for those around us. Thanks for listening. Here we go. Hey, welcome to Genesee Valley Church. So glad that you're here. Welcome to everybody that's tuning in online. It's going to be a good day, and I just am excited for the season that we're in. How many of you are enjoying this beautiful weather that we've been having? Oh, come on. I'm telling you what, it has been amazing. Uh, Again, I know that it always affects church, and so uh, somebody that you don't see, tell them, say, I knew you played hooky this weekend because it was so nice outside, but we love you anyways, all right? Okay, anyways, amen. Hey, listen, I'm excited to start a new series today. I'll tell you what that is in just a moment, but I want to start by just sharing something with you uh, in regards to just uh, a conversation that we had just not too long ago. Uh, You know, we're uh, graduates of Rhema Bible College uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where I met my wife, and uh, she's an Okie, and therefore, you know, for whatever reason, getting around her and those Southern people, I've continued to talk Southern. Everybody asks me, where are you from? And I'm like, from, from Michigan. No, really. No, really. I'm from Clio, Michigan. That's where I grew up. And they're like, you don't sound like it. And then they'll talk to my wife, and she'll say, yeah, I'm uh, from the South, but I talk more North than he does. So anyways, it's just, it rubs off on you. I guess you get around some Southern people, and maybe it's always wanted to be a cowboy. And so, <laughs> who knows? But anyways, we were having this conversation with Pastor and Mrs. Hagan. Oh, It was probably about a year ago, and we were talking about just how things have changed over the years, you know, changed within church, changed within the culture, and just different dynamics of ministry. And even in regards to the Bible college, one of the things that they said is that they've had to really begin to teach differently at the Bible college. And she said one of the things that they're discovering or have discovered as students come to the college is that they don't have a grasp on the basics. They don't have an understanding of simple biblical truths. And they said actually what we've had to do is go back and begin to teach differently or have some foundational college courses. Because in the culture of days gone by, there was church that always had this thing called Sunday school. Anybody familiar with Sunday school? Sunday school was that time where you came to church and you went to a church class or a class before you started church. And you learned about the fundamentals of the Bible stories. And the Bible stories were not just stories that were good to tell children. They were stories that began to develop a foundation and an understanding of the God that we serve. Right? And as a result, there was a younger generation that grew up knowing the stories of the Bible, but began to develop a relationship with God, seeing the God of the Bible and beginning to have a relationship with Him. And one of the things that she said is that in the culture of today, that that there are students coming to church, or excuse me, coming to college, and they don't know the simple Bible stories. Like, 
They'll ask the question, who's Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? And the students are like, who? Meshach, what? <laughs> you know? And so they're having to teach these elementary truths. And isn't that really what has been uh, really the, the fall of the body of Christ? The lack of understanding of the elementaries or the foundational principles of our faith to know who God is. So today, the title of my message is this, the 101 at the 911. I thought it sounded kind of hip. You, are you too old to really appreciate that? The 101 at the 911. I didn't get a better reaction the second time I said it. So let, let, let me explain what that means then. The 101. If I say 101, what does that tend to uh, uh, bring to, uh, uh, to the forefront of your thinking? 101. If I said English 101, what do you think? Freshman or entry level or beginning or foundational elementary things, right? 101. Well, if I say to you 911, what does that cause you to think of? Emergency. Exactly. So there is a foundational basics on the beginning emergency within the body of Christ today. And so, therefore, we're going to just jump into a series of talking about the basic foundational truths. And it is at the utmost of emergency in our lives to begin to understand these foundational truths. Because how many of you know that a foundation sets the platform for everything else to be built upon? Right? And here's the thing. I know that with the body of Christ, with the people of God, we're always wanting to go to the next level. Isn't that what we always want to do in life? I mean, I don't care if you're, a, a, if you're somebody that's in college, you want to, or, or, or my, my children, they're in high school now. You know, they start out as a freshman. Well, you can't wait till you're a sophomore. When you're a sophomore, you can't wait to be a junior. When you're a junior, you can't wait to be a senior. When you're a senior, you can't wait to graduate, right? You always want to move to the next level. I remember when I was in karate, you know, you start out as a, as a white belt, well, you can't wait till you start to move your way through the ranks of karate. And therefore, the belt that you wear determines or defines your level of progress. And you're always wanting to go up and move forward to what? The black belt, man. You want to get the black belt. And then once you get the black belt, then you want to start putting stripes on there. Because, again, it begins to say something about your progress. And everybody wants to move forward. And, again, with the way that society and people are, most people want to move forward without putting the work in or developing the foundational uh, uh, truths that will establish the foundation of stability for the next level. Right? And again, just using the example of karate, you know, you think, well, dear God, you know, you're in karate, you're learning some things, you ought to be able to know how to fight and defend yourself, right? Well, you realize, or I began to realize, that over the many years that I was in martial arts, that there would be individuals that would be students for months and years, and they would pay their tuition, and they would go to the testing, and they would end up getting their belt because they were just in it for so long. But just because they had a color of belt around their waist don't mean diddly. I mean, because some of those, 
you think, dear God, I mean, my little sister could whoop you. You know what I mean? So once again, there's so many times that as individuals, we want to progress to the next level without developing the maturity along the way. And how many of you have known that when it comes to the foundational things, it is the foundational things that stand the test of time. They never run out. They never get old. They never fade in their strength or their ability, right? And so when it comes to the foundational truths, if we would grab hold of them and really appreciate them upon hearing them, it ought to excite us and stir faith on the inside because faith or the foundations of our faith is what helps us to move further in the things of God. Amen? And so I hope that you'll begin to appreciate some things that we're going to begin to share with you over these next few weeks. And again, as I said, it's foundational things. But I think to, to a large degree, there are a lot of people that have not heard the foundational things. Or if they've heard the foundational things, they've not been thoroughly taught to where it becomes a reality to their life. So I want to begin in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. It says, yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Now let's pause for a moment and just explain some things. It says in regards to the individuals, it says the, the law is not of faith, but the man that lives by them or does them shall live by them. Before Jesus, there was what was called the law or the commandments of God, right? Right? And the Bible says that concerning this walk after receiving Jesus is not one of the law of saying you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this. It is the foundation of our faith in Jesus. And Jesus came and he said this. He said, this is the greatest commandment that you love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself, Right? So he said the foundational law or operation of faith that I've come to give is the law of faith, or excuse me, the law of love rather. And if you walk in love, you'll accomplish or fulfill all the law by walking in love. Does that make sense? You might say, well, how? Well, let me, let me put it this way. If you love your neighbor, are you going to go take the neighbor's wife? If you love your neighbor, are you going to go steal his car? If you love God, are you going to use his name in vain? No. So you see that if we'll purpose to walk in the law of, of love that Jesus came to give and actually use faith, we'll fulfill the law. Amen? But what he's saying here is that before Jesus, you had to honor God by trying to keep the law. But the law was actually given to let you know that you cannot do it by yourself. In fact, it sets you up for failure because it proved to you as the individual, you need God. And therefore, that's why he sent Jesus, so that Jesus could mend or bridge the gap between us and God. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? All right. Now, he says, again, you'll have to live by them. So, in other words, if you're not going to choose to live by faith, you're going to have to live by the law. In other words, you're going to have to try to earn your rights or earn your forgiveness or earn God's love. Now, it goes on to say in verse 13, 
Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. All right, we're going to come back to that verse in just a little bit. But it says this, that we are to live by faith. That our relationship with God is based upon a relationship of faith in God. Everybody tracking? All right, now the Bible says this over in Hebrews chapter 11, 6. It says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. Say it with me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. All right, so if God says I need to live by faith and not by the conditions of what I can try to do to earn your love, if he says that faith pleases God, then doesn't it stand to reason that if faith pleases God, i got to learn how to get faith. How do I live this life of faith? How do I get faith? How do I please God with my faith? Well, Hebrews 10, 17 says this. It says, uh, uh, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how do I get faith? The Word of God gives it to me. And therefore, as a result of the Word of God, I can begin to please God. Now, let's pause just for a moment concerning the Word of God. And, and we'll get into this a little bit later in, in weeks uh, coming up. But when it comes to your life, in every aspect of life, the greater success that we have as individuals is based upon our knowledge and wisdom that we obtain over years, right? Right? We could say we obtain success through higher education. Well, you realize higher education can come in a number of ways. But what is the number one way that you and I obtain or acquire wisdom and knowledge? When you go to school, the teacher says, here's your books. Right? So most of our learning, especially in our early years, it comes or the wisdom and the education and the knowledge comes out of a book. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the greater amount of wisdom that I obtain, the, the more educated that I am, it generally produces greater success in my life, does it not? Right? All right. So concerning the Word of God, my achievements of faith or my success in this walk of faith of pleasing God comes in direct relationship as a result of my relationship with this book. This book is necessary for our lives. I said it on, I think, a Wednesday night. I said my intent or my desire is to stop mealy-mouthing and, and, and just kind of tiptoeing around some things. Because we're living in days that Jesus is coming very soon. And I believe that as a result, we've tried to appease people. We've tried to create services that will draw people. You know, let's give away a car. Let's give away this and let's do that for the sake of getting people into our churches. Because, you know, we just want to appeal to the masses. Well, you realize whatever you do to try to get people there, you've got to continue to do to keep people there. 
rather than simply just preaching the uncompromised Word of God and Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen? And that we can have a relationship with a living God. And so I just, I've come to the place where, like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just not going to try to just be so nicey-nice. And what I mean by that is this, you know, let's just call it the way it is. And so I said this on a Wednesday night in regards to the Word of God. I said, you know, it's, it's interesting how the culture is changed. Because, you know, days gone by, not too many years ago, actually, if I was to say to the church, hey, turn to such and such, you would start to hear the rustles of pages and people turning into their Bibles and people actually knew their Bible to some degree and they would bring pens and highlighters and notepads and they would take notes. And today's culture, if you were to say, turn in your Bibles too, you would start to hear crickets in the auditorium because hardly nobody brings a Bible. Now, I realize that we have technology and we put screens, uh, put, put verses on the screen and we have our phones and things. I understand that. But to the argument, if our Bible isn't something that is readily available or something that we esteem to a high degree, I guarantee you at your home, the Word of God is not first place, second place, third place, Right? So the Word of God has to become something that we esteem and begin to put in place in our life because the Word of God begins to establish the foundations, the basics, the beginnings. Amen? All right. So in regards to that, in Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 6, or chapter 11, verse 6, it says, uh, says that in regards to faith, in fact, says, uh, uh, Hebrews eleven six. 6, it says, For without faith it's impossible to please God, for, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Correct? So once again, my faith pleases God. Now remember it says that if you don't walk by faith, you live under the law. Right? Now, the, the whole point of me talking about the Word of God was for this point. If the Word of God is not something that is a part of our life, you don't know how to obtain the promises of God for your life, and therefore your entire life or walk with God is nothing more than hoping and wishing. Right? And therefore, if the Word of God isn't the foundation of my life by which I please God, then what I start to do is I start to try to please God by my actions. God, if I go to church enough, if I give enough, if I say the right things, do the right things, what, all these things that I'm doing in the natural, what I'm trying to do is do things in the arm of the flesh to please God rather than by faith. And what that does is that puts me back under the law. Even though I'm redeemed from the curse of the law because of Jesus, my actions place me back underneath of it. And if I place myself back underneath the curse of the law, trying to keep the law to appease God, then eventually this is what happens. Because I can't please God through my actions or my natural efforts, my next step is to please my flesh by my actions. Did you hear what I just said? 
If I don't have a foundation of God's word in my life by which I trust and trust and live by faith, and that pleases God, then what I do is I put myself underneath of the curse of the law, trying to do it in the arm of the flesh, and that I cannot do, I will fail miserably. And because I feel this void and disconnect from God, the next thing that I try to do is I try to appease my flesh by works of some kind. And what that is typically is what can I do to make me feel better? What can I do to give myself gratification? How many of you like shopping? Several. Guys, it's okay to raise your hand. I, I like to shop. I mean, you get me in a fishing store, a hunting store, I like it. You know, you get me in a camping store, man, I start looking at stuff for the RV or whatever, you know. I, I, I like shopping. And I'll be the first to admit, you know, you buy something new. It kind of makes you feel good, right? I, I, I can't wait to try this out. Can't wait to use this golf club. And then after you use the golf club, the golf club didn't make you golf any better. Well, then I got to go buy the other golf club because, the, you know, that one will help me golf better, you know. And so there's always something that we will try to do to appease our flesh if... We're not living by faith. Does that make sense to you? And that's how come so much of the church nowadays lives a carnal life. That's why so much of the church does not look different than the world is because we've come out from underneath of living a life of faith and trying to appease God by my actions, and because that don't work, then I'm just going to make myself feel better. Come on, are you tracking with me? And so we need to get to a place or back to a place where the foundations of God's Word are in our life. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war against the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So notice it says that the weapons that God has given us, they're not carnal. But these weapons are mighty. Well, what are those weapons? Those weapons can only be found in the Word. But when you look at the weapons that God gives us, it's all built upon the Word. And therefore, if you don't have the Word in your life, you don't know how to use the weapons. And furthermore, the Bible says that the, that the Word is the sword of the Spirit. Now listen, I would love to have a shield and have a helmet, have a breastplate. And at best, if that's all I got, then maybe if I duck and jive and run real fast, maybe I, can, maybe I can get out of the way of the enemy and not get hurt. But listen, I don't want just defensive covering. I want something to fight with. Come on, somebody. I mean, I want to I wanna fight if somebody's coming at me, if somebody's wanting to hurt me, if somebody's trying to come against my family, then dear God, give me something to fight with. Amen. And the Word is the sword of the Spirit. 
He says, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Even though the weapons that God has given us, they are not carnal, but the warfare that comes against us is from a carnal perspective. It's spiritual in origin, but did you know that the devil does not come at you concerning your spirit man? Because if you've received Christ, you're already born again. You're righteous before God. But what does the enemy try to do? He'll come at your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And if he can wear down your will and your emotions, he can get you wore down in your flesh or your natural man. Amen? Come on. Again, I'm not asking for a raising of hands, but you all know how it goes. You know, I'm purposing to go on a diet because I need to get this good-looking body back into its fighting shape. You know, I've got to get it slimmed down. And so you're doing good, you know, and you're feeling good. And it's been a week and a half, and I've kept it down to salads and just, man, I'm just doing good. But then something happens. There's a bad day or the wife and I get into a, a tiff or something happens in, in whatever. And the, the thing that you want to do is you want to cave in the flesh. Your emotions start to go and you think, oh, dear God, if I could just get me a nice bowl of ice cream, that would make me feel better. Right? The, the enemy starts to work in the area of your emotions and your will. And before you were fighting a good fight of faith and you were, you were slimming down naturally, but he wars at you from, the, from the, 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 the emotional side. And before you know it, you cave in to the flesh side. Hello? Why are so many people in the body of Christ struggling? It's because they're walking and living as mere men walking in flesh rather than walking in spirit. And their flesh is dictating. Well, this will make you feel better. Well, wouldn't this be fun? Why don't you go hang out with those people? How many of you know that if you're going to walk with God, you've got to be selective in the people you hang with? Amen? Because the people you hang out with will, will either pull you, pull you down, or pull you up. Amen? That's even in the church. I said that's even in the church. There's people that, you know, yeah, if you're not strong, man, they might pull you down. Right? Well, you say, well, in church? Yes! Listen, there's people in church that are just walking like the world, living like the world. They come to church and they look good and they put a smile on, <laughs> right? You're doing okay. And so God's wanting us to come up higher. Everybody say it with me. I'm coming up higher. And so the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And so once again, there are those things that like to have a stronghold on our lives on our flesh, on our minds, in our emotions. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't care if it's substance. I don't care if it's food. I don't care if it's relationships. When your emotions get squirrely, you will start to gravitate toward those things that are unhealthy if you're not living by faith. Now look to your neighbor say, Amen or oh me. <laughs> right. So... So why is it a challenge? 
Why is this a challenge? It's because for so long the flesh has been on the throne of our life. You know what I mean when I say that? Our flesh has been on the throne, or in other words, the flesh man, the carnal man, has been calling the shots. And then all of a sudden, I ask Jesus into my life, and the game has changed. And God's wanting us to experience a whole new life, a life of freedom. I, I said to you in regards to our education, the more education that you get in your life, it generally equates to freedom. The more knowledge you have, the more educated you are, it leads to a greater freedom in your life because it opens up doors. The same thing is applicable to God. The more that you know the foundations and the basics, the more free you are in life because, again, you're not bound to this world. Can somebody say amen? 1 John chapter 2. I'm running a little bit longer or I got more to preach, and so it's going to have to just continue on next week. But bear with me. We'll wrap this up. First John chapter 2, starting in verse 15. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Everything that is in this world is governed by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In other words, what I can see, what I can feel, what I can have, and what I can control. The pride of life is merely this. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to do it. I do what I want to. How many of you have ever noticed that teenagers like to live that way? Now, they may never say a word. They may, may never verbalize it. But did you ever notice that posture says a lot? You know, the curling of the face. You know, the... <laughs> just <laughs> how they walk away is just like all right there's a whole lot being said right now without one word being said right that's just the natural man the man don't want to be told what to do but you see God's not up there saying do this don't do that he just simply says love me I'll love you and there'll be an awesome harmonious relationship you, you realize that the revelation that we have to have is not about how much we love God, but it's about how much He loves us. Man, if we knew how much God loved us, it would change everything about our lives. Amen. Now, as I said, I know I'm going long on time, and so I'll just wrap it up with this, and we'll come back at it next week. But in regards to this walk with Jesus... Why is it such a radical thing for God to be our everything? You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, if people talk about God and talk about their relationship with God and they talk about the Bible and they talk about church and they talk about how they're involved in church and the things that they do in the ministry and so on and so forth, you know, people start to listen to them and say, man, you're fanatical. 
you're a Jesus freak. You're just a, you're just, you're just a Jesus freak. What, what's the matter with you? Again, I've had people tell us around here that they'll talk about things and they'll say, you know, that church is taking advantage of you. They're just manipulating you. They're just trying to get you to clean the church and scrub the toilets and whatever. No, it's just having a relationship with God, but it seems so fanatical, right? But isn't it interesting how people have desires and passions and interests and we'll sit there and we'll listen to it and we'll entertain the conversations and we don't think anything about it as though they're being fanatical. They'll start telling you about their plans for vacation. Yeah, we're going to camp here. We're going to go here. We're going to go there. And then we're going to, after that, we're going to go over here. And oh, it's going to be such a good time. And then their friends and family that are going to come and visit us. And oh, it's going to be so fun. Oh, it's going to be a great summer. And we don't think anything of it. And we like to celebrate with them. Oh, that's just so wonderful. Kids are coming in from out of town. Oh, my goodness. Praise the Lord. And we don't think anything about being fanatical. But dear God, you start talking about Jesus a little too much. They think you're fanatical. Why? For somebody that has a passion to know God and serve God and walk with Jesus, you can't talk about him enough unless you, you, you get off in the ditch and get legalistic. Now, I, I, I don't know if I have time to get to that. But do you hear what I'm saying? In the natural, in fact, my dad. I'm going to tell off on my dad. My dad likes to play golf. Now, because I like to play golf, he can talk to me about golf. And so he'll tell me, he said, Tom, man, he said, listen, I, I was on, it was a par five. It was a par five, man, it was a long hole, dog leg left. And he said, man, I got up there, and then and, and he, he gets his stance. He's telling me the story, but he, he's, I got up there. Crack. And, 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 and he's going through the motions, and it even comes with sound effects. Crack. Wow. He said, man, it went out there. I drew the ball, man. It turned the corner. Oh, it was amazing. And then my second shot, man, I hit my second shot. It was long. He said, but man, I hit it in the bunker. And he said, but it was a little off. It was in the bunker. But I got in there to the, uh, my third shot, man. I, he's, he's giving me all the motions. And, and he says, man, I, I swung away. Man, I caught it just clean. And he said, man, it hit the green, checked up. I mean, it was like, like nine inches. I putted for my birdie. Oh, it was amazing. You know what I'm saying? And again, if you can't appreciate golf, you can't appreciate what I just shared with you. But if you're a golfer and you're talking golf, that's what you do. You go through the motions. You talk about the, the shots. You have the sound effects and all the stuff that goes with it because you can appreciate it. And you never think, that's a fanatical guy. No, that's just somebody that has a passion for golf. So why is it that if we talk about Jesus and Jesus becomes the center of our life that we become fanatical? No, I'm talking about a people that are rising up and saying, I know my God and the God in whom I serve. And therefore, because of Jesus shedding his blood, I'll shout it from the rooftops because I know him. I know him. And listen, the reason why people seem to be fanatical, it's because of those people that become legalistic. And they always tell you, well, you know what? You can't drink, can't smoke, can't chew, can't dance, can't do this, can't do that. Listen, I don't recommend that you do any of it because, again, it just leads to death. It, it just cuts your life short. And I don't think God is pleased with it if we cut our life short, right? Or all the mess that comes with it. But my point is this, is that people want to make things legalistic and then you want to talk about Jesus. And you think, man, you're just a weirdo. Or you know that there's those weirdos, they just talk weird about Jesus. How many of you know that Jesus was not a weirdo? And to walk with God and to know him doesn't make you a weirdo, nor, nor do you have to act weird. Hello? 
But when you walk with him, he becomes your everything. If you'll allow yourselves, this is the difference. If I was to say to you, who in this place has asked Jesus to be their Savior? We might have everybody in this room raising their hands. Then if I said this, who has surrendered your life to make Jesus the Lord of your life? You may have a whole different response because there's two different things. You can surrender, or excuse me, you can ask Jesus to come into your heart Receive him as Savior and still live like an unsaved, worldly person, never experiencing the goodness of God because you live according to this world. Or you can surrender your life and make Jesus Lord and live the best life you could ever possibly know. Amen. When you walk with Jesus, it... it, it for those people that tend to be the weirdos trying to talk about Jesus all the time, have you ever noticed that they repel people away? But then there are those people that walk with Jesus. And it's a personal relationship. And they start to talk about Him. And Him shows up. And people start to lean in because the God that you talk about is becoming real in the words in which you speak. Stand with me. I'll close with this final word. Jesus wants to be known to you. And he wants you to develop a foundation relationship of knowing him. It's not a Sunday to Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing of knowing him. Probably about 30 years ago, I was working at the Bertrand Malls. Anybody know the Bertrand Mall? I've shared this before. Some of them know the story. But there was a young lady that I worked with. I was in the property management side of it. A young lady that was working with me. She was unsaved. All she knew was going to a Catholic church from time to time. And she was struggling in life with all the things that she was dealing with getting caught up in the affairs of life and boyfriends and friends and substance and just a mess of things and we're in the office and I started to talk to her about the freedom of knowing Jesus and the more that I began to talk about Jesus the office began filled became filled with his presence and as I'm talking about the love of God and how much God loves her, tears started streaming down her face. And the presence of God became so strong in there that she began to tremble. And she said, you've got to stop talking about Jesus. She goes, because the more you talk about Jesus, the more that I feel Him. And I just feel like I can't take it anymore. You see, Jesus wants to be known by us. And he's looking to make himself known to you. It's not fanatical to walk with Jesus. It's real life. And you're going to spend eternity with him. Why not let's begin to live it out now. Amen. Praise God. I don't know if you've got anything out of that today. There's more that I wanted. I just couldn't get there. But praise God. We're going somewhere. Come on, say it with me. The 101. 
at the 911. Amen. Getting to the basics, it's an emergency. Will you bow your head? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person that's watching online, listening online, or here presently with us. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would arrest our hearts. I pray that, God, you would do something in our hearts today. Open up the eyes of our understanding that, God, there would be such a hunger, a passion, and a desire to know you, to walk with you, to live by faith, and to please you. That, God, the things that are distracting our lives, the things that pull us here and there, God, I thank you that you begin to reveal things to us and begin to draw us. Because, God, we sincerely, we sincerely want to know you and live by faith. And in this we ask and give you praise in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. And with that, we come to the end of this episode. We hope that you have found inspiration and encouragement in our discussion today, and we invite you to join us again next week. Let's make 2023 a year of growth and love by sharing the message of our church with others. We encourage you to take the plus one challenge this week and invite someone to join you at our next worship service. You can get more information about our church and say hi to us anytime from our website or social media, all online at gvchurch.tv. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.